Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, you know what? We don't very often mention the administration of President Warren Harding in unity. But you know, I thought today really is the day. I mean, he has not gotten his due in a unity church in a very long time. And so the reason for that is that it seems to be that people all over the place are yearning for a return to normal, or to use Harding's term, normalcy. So here's the story. The word normalcy did, in fact, exist before Harding began using it in the 1920 presidential campaign. But it was primarily used by mathematicians to describe the mathematical condition of being at right angles, state or fact of being normal in geometry. Who knew that? Okay, well, we have a couple scientists in the room who did actually know that, so good. However, in 1920, Harding campaigned using the slogan, return to normalcy, meaning a return to life prior to World War I, prior to the Great War. You know, linguists, though, and grammarians prefer the term normality, but let's be honest, it just doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. So World War I, called the Great War, was in many respects a wake-up call to the nation about its place in the world. However, as with any war, it came at a tremendous cost. 117,000 more or less soldiers perished, not to mention a variety of other casualties that happened at the same time among which was the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918-1919, in which about 675,000 Americans died. No wonder Harding uh, campaigned on a slogan, a return to normalcy. We can draw parallels to our times, right? It seems that the 20-year war in the Middle East is coming to an end, and it seems that we are emerging out of the pandemics. But let's talk about the pandemic, or as the kids refer to it, the pandemic, uh, for just a few moments. Because the key word here is seem, as in seem to be coming out of the pandemic. Because truth be told, it's still here. It's still raging. As we know, there is no vaccine approved yet for children under 12. Case numbers in our area, which were falling quite a bit, are starting to creep up a little bit. And all around the world, this Delta variant is going crazy. So uh, we also know that 605,000 Americans have perished from COVID-19 and over 4 million around the world. So, yes... Like you, I long for a return to normalcy, a world without wars, a world without a pandemic. But let's be clear, though. Whatever we thought normal was, we ain't going back to it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So everybody take a deep breath. I realize, oh, my gosh, you just put a, threw a wet balloon on everything. 
It's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, there are some really good things that have emerged as Miss Wolf instructed the children. Name three good, three good things. I had to check. Three good things that have emerged out of this period. And there are several of them. The way we've leveraged here at our community technology and the way in which we all have leaned into technology and hopefully made peace with it. And we are, as a matter of fact, in the process of creating a new normal. But as my friend and former Unity of Fairfax member, Reverend Ellen Devonport, has put it, when one door closes, another door opens. But it can be hell in the hallway. Let's face it, we've all spent some time in the hallway in these last several months. So I wanted to share with you a few pieces of information about what this hallway experience is like and what it will be like for us as we open that new door. And these are some ideas that uh, came from a Unitarian minister, Reverend Sunshine Jeremiah Wolf. And I've shared some of these in other settings, but not on a Sunday service. And I think it's very important for us to be aware of some of these key concepts. The first one is that the pandemic has been traumatizing to all of us to greater or lesser extent. I mean, think about the, the shutdowns, the lockdowns, the anxieties, the worries. You know, will there be enough toilet paper? Will there be enough food? What do we do with these kids? They're here all the time. I've got to work, and these kids are here all the time, and I still have to work. You know, all of this sort of stuff. And each one of us has a different capacity for how we can address that. For some, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of cool. I'm, I've gotten by okay. I feel fine. And for others, it's been a much rougher experience. Let's just be clear. So the important thing for us is to recognize this has been traumatizing. Nobody's gotten off scot-free. And it's important and imperative that we be gentle with ourselves and be gentle with others. Because their experience is different from our experience. Secondly, you may have noticed that some normal things seem to take more time. There's a lot about what I perceive in this pandemic trauma that mirrors the grief experience. And if anybody here ever experienced grief right at home? Okay, okay, I'm not the only one. Whew, I was hoping not. Uh, sometimes things just seem to take longer. Did I mention be patient with yourself? Let's be patient with ourselves. Another thing that sometimes happens is our sense of time gets distorted. There have been a couple times when I actually had four Tuesdays in a row in this period. Anybody else have something like that? You wake up and go, what day is today? I don't know. Is it two? It's four. Okay. So let's just be aware that some, that's, that's kind of lingering for some of us. Uh, often it seems like it's harder to take in more information. It's like we, we just kind of like we're fixated on, on COVID numbers or this number or that number, that sort of thing, to the exclusion of other things. And it's harder to take in new information. I mean, how many times has somebody had to tell you to unmute yourself <laughs> in a meeting? You need to unmute. Like, what? What's that? Unmute? What are you talking about? Yeah, of course. But hey, some of this stuff has been pretty good, though, I will say from my own experience. I actually prefer a business meeting online. You know why? Because if the, if the leader, like Teresa Accomando, chair of our board of trustees, is sharing her screen, which she will do, we are all looking at the same thing. We're not rifling through papers trying to find the document that's being referenced. So that's a good thing, right? Um, hey, another thing to be mindful of is that a lot of folks have been left feeling depressed or tired or exhausted. Maybe that's been you too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of 
again, just one of these side effects that just kind of lingers. So I would invite you to, did I mention be gentle with yourself and others? And let me be sure to include in that list the people who are now commuting on I-66 and anyone who has to do the American Legion Bridge. Bless your heart. Uh, be nice to those folks. I know for us, those of us coming back into the physical plant here at church, you know, it's not quite the same, is it? You know, the peoples are wearing muzzles. We didn't do that before 2020. Um, you know, where's the world's finest coffee? It's like it's not out. Or where are the children, the world's finest children, of course? Uh, they're not out. Uh, and stuff like that. And it might be kind of like that in your workplace if you're going back to work. Like things aren't quite normal. Think of it in these terms. It's kind of like being post-surgical. You know, you've had surgery. It's like, okay, we've taken care of the thing. Well, now I've got to recover. That is absolutely no fun. Did I mention the part about being patient with yourself and others? Okay, I just wanted to say that. And lastly, I don't really know how long it's going to take for us to be operating at full new normal. So we're just going to do one day at a time. There are some programs, I tell you what, where you can get your sanity back one day at a time. But that's a different talk for a different day. So that's what we're doing. We're just feeling our way with love and joy. Hey, let's switch gears just a moment. I want to come to a story from the Hebrew Scriptures, also referred to as the Old Testament, about a woman who seemingly wanted a return to normal. And in the stories, she simply identified as Lot's wife. What I'm talking about is the destruction of the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. So this, in, there, in our Hebrew scriptures, especially in the book of Genesis, there are these epic dramas. I mean, Charlton Heston, definitely the right casting for, you know, stories out of, the, out of the Hebrew scriptures. So in this story, the wickedness of these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, has come to God's attention, and God has apparently made the decision to destroy them. And he's telling this to Abraham, apparently his confidant, so he's just swapping, you know, a little shop talk with Abraham. And Abraham did something that maybe you've done. He starts bargaining with God. Have any of you ever bargained with God about something somewhere along the line? You know, you're like, okay, let's play, make a deal here. So, so God said, you know, if there's 50 honest, righteous people and men in this town, I won't destroy either one of them. And Abraham goes, oh, how about 40? And God says, 40. And Abraham's saying, well, if you're going to go for 40, how about 30? And God says, okay, we'll do 30. And it gets down to 10, and that's where they seal the deal and, and do a handshake on it. So in Genesis 18 and 19, this is where you find the story. God sends two angels, and they go and they stay at the home of Abraham's nephew, Lot. Well, the townspeople find out these guests are there, and uh, I'm not going to go into the story. It's pretty violent and pretty gory and really awful. And contrary to what you may have been taught, this story really isn't about the sin of homosexuality, which we don't consider a sin here. Uh, this has commonly been taught, but rather the great sin, among all the other ones of this community, was failure to honor strangers and aliens in their country. In other words, a violation of hospitality codes. They didn't welcome the stranger. They didn't care for them. They didn't welcome the sojourner. In fact, their intentions were much different from that. And obviously, there was a consequence. So the angels warned Lot and his family, get out. You guys can you have your get out of, uh, of Sodom free card, so go. But whatever you do, do not look back. 
Well, Lot's wife looked back. Interestingly enough, Jewish traditions identify her as, uh, in other sources, as either Edith or Otto as a name. So she did look back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Jewish, Muslim, and Christian scholars have all kinds of interpretations of this story, and I encourage you to read the original text yourself, and then read the interpretations. They're kind of interesting. But the question is, why did she look back? Was she mourning her loss? Did she desire to return to normalcy? I mean, I once heard a speaker who said, I don't know if we're going to answer the question today, but I sure hope we come up with a better question. So that's what I want to do today. Let's come up with a better question. And for me, the better question is, what kind of new normal do we want to create? What kind of new normal do we want to create? Because we don't have to look back and try to replicate what was. We are powerful co-creators creating our future. Our world, our lives are created by the thoughts, the words, and the actions of today. And it's a law of life that every action, every thought, every word has some manner of a consequence. Not a reward or punishment, a consequence. I remember I once asked my first teacher in unity, Reverend Renee Perret. I said, Renee, do you believe in reincarnation? He goes, oh, yeah. Cool. I said, and how does that impact your life today? And he said, doesn't. I said, what do you mean it doesn't? He said, Russell, I don't, whatever came before in this life or any other life for that matter, doesn't really matter. The point of power is today. What I think, what I say, what I do today creates tomorrow. And I ain't going backwards. I'm going forwards. I said, all right. Excellent. That seems empowering to me. Well, I wasn't quite settled with that answer. So I went to an astrologer I know. And I said, Mom. <laughs> My mom's been an astrologer astrologer for over 40 years. I said, Mom, are the planets responsible for what happens in my life? <laughs> this is my mother speaking. She, she looked at me and I said, no, son, you are. Meaning, whatever's going on in my life, I'm still making the decisions that impact what I'm doing today and set in play the next thing. The point of the conversation was personal empowerment personal responsibility. What are you going to do? In other words, consequences, not rewards or punishment. Consequences. There's a cautionary warning I do want to make about this because we have to be mindful and thoughtful and considerate when we make such statements because it can become easy to start shaming and blaming somebody for the difficulties in their life when to do so would be out of order. So that's what we call metaphysical malpractice. Or sometimes we call it blaming the victim. So here's some examples for you to think about. Do we blame the people who died in the condo collapse in Surfside, Florida? for the fact that the condo collapsed? Or do we blame people whose opportunities are or were curtailed by overt or system, systemic racism 
for the challenge, some of their challenges? Or do we blame people who are born in vibrant or poverty-ridden places in the world for some of the situations in which they live? And you can think of a whole host of other situations. But it all comes back to knowing what we know about ourselves. What can I do today? What can I do to move forward? How can I take whatever lemons I have and create lemonade? That's what we're talking about. And after all, what value is blaming or shaming? What good has ever come? What positive consequence has ever come by shaking your finger at somebody and telling them they're wrong or they're bad or that sort of thing? Our task as New Thought True students is to empower, to build, to heal. And the first principle of doing so is to recognize the inherent creative power we all have. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, was a great one to understand the connection and the interplay between thought and theology, or we might say psychology and spirituality. And he said at one point in his teaching, the thinking faculty in you makes you a free agent because it is your creative center. In and through this one power, you establish your consciousness. You build your world. And that's powerful. And I would say not only do you build your world, you build your new normal. And there are things we do individually, actions we take that build our individual world. And there are things we do collectively, like swapping out the lights so that we might reduce our carbon footprint that makes a difference in the collective. That thought came to this community, what can we do? And so we did something. We are all that powerful that creative, that in touch with the divine power that is what we call God. So there is no hopeless situation. We can always make peace, find a way, and get to that next open door, regardless of how much time we spend in that hellacious hallway. So I'm going to give you homework. You know, Miss Wolf gave the kids at the Unity Animal School their homework. Actually, I think you should do the same homework, let's be tr truth be told. Uh, but here's what I want you to, to consider this week. Ask yourself some variation of this question. Is the thought I'm having right now the thought I went on which I wish to build my future? Is the thought I'm having right now the thought on which I wish to build my future. If it is, then as they say in the military, carry on. If it is not, you have a whole universe of other thoughts, other visions, other dreams that you can grasp and manifest. So I leave you with the words from Paul in his uh, letter to the Philippians. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, 
Think about these things and build your new normal. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate your donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.